When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So in the NHL, the Jets and the Flames are going to face off in about an hour, as will Arizona and San Jose. After the first period, no score between the Blues and the Ducks. About seven minutes into the third, still that 2 nothing lead for the Capitals. They scored twice in the first 12 minutes of the first period. Nothing since then. Downtown, Oil Kings and Hitman just underway, about three and a half minutes into the first period. The Oil Kings have not lost this season. They're 7-0. In about an hour in the American Hockey League, the Oilers affiliate, the Bakersfield Condors, 10-1-1 since, uh, uh, pardon me, 11-1-1 since an 0-5 start. We'll take on the San Diego Gulls, who are 11-10. and 10. Things going pretty well for uh, the Condors. Raptors in action tonight, trailing Phoenix 79-75 with just over a minute to go in the third quarter. And Dylan Holloway's NCAA team, Wisconsin, eliminated today in the first round of the NCAA hockey tournament. Holloway, the Oilers' first-round draft pick from October Pretty promising prospect for Edmonton. He had an assist in the 6-3 loss to Babiji State. So uh, I think you can watch for news uh, concerning him in the days to come. I think a likely destination is that he signs an American Hockey League deal and winds up with the Bakersfield Condors. So some of the uh, scoreboard notes for you along the way and a trade in the National Hockey League today as well. Eric Stahl, whose name was kind of linked with the Oilers uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was a rumor floating around a little bit there. Eric Stahl goes to the Montreal Canadiens for a third and a fifth rounder in 2021. Oilers and Leafs tomorrow on this very station. I'll join you at 3.30 for the face-off show. Jack and Bob will describe the action at 5. And uh, on the Toronto broadcast side of things, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show, Gord Stella. Gord, thanks for checking in tonight. How's life? Life is good, Reed. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the Toronto Raptors, and they're so not the Toronto Raptors. It's, it's weird. It's not their fault, but it, it's, it's like they're not here, out of sight, out of mind. So it's, uh, it's nice at least to have our hockey teams, uh, the NHL Canadian division, going. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're Canadian, and uh, we talk about hockey a lot. Edmonton does not have an NBA team, but people, people rallied around the Raptors, especially a couple of years ago, and even in the years leading up to that championship, they were a very good team. So, you know, I always give the Raptors score because I think whether they're the Toronto Raptors or the, uh, the Tampa Raptors, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, people want to know how they're doing, though oh, clearly this no. is a, a down year for them. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. No, the 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 weed in the north thing was great. It, it really was fun. It was great having you know the uh, the 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 parks, the Jurassic parks, in so many different cities. It's it's such a fond memory, you know. It's at the same time the St. Louis Blues are going on to win the Stanley Cup. So I'm just saying that we can't wait to get whether it's the Raptors back in Toronto, the Blue Jays back in Toronto. So uh, at, at least at least we have our hockey teams playing in person because it does make a difference. 
Yeah, for sure. And I want to talk about this series. I, I want to ask you too, uh, you know, because you used to be uh, a manager in the league and would have to, uh, you know, look into trades and rounding out rosters and all that kind of stuff. What do you think of the the Eric Stahl deal? And as I mentioned, there was that rumor that maybe the Oilers were sniffing around a, a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, it never went uh, anywhere. What do you think of him going to the Habs? Yeah, you know, interesting one. I mean, obviously a depth guy adding some experience because they, you know they don't have a lot of exp- playoff experience. They were a bit of a bit of a surprise team. So I think, and you know, Mark Bergevin has totally, totally rolled the dice in so many ways, and a lot of people, myself included, think he's done a really good job how he's put things together again. You know, Reed, last year just pre-pandemic, pre-COVID stopping, you ask a Montreal Canadian fan, they would say, uh, you know what? Well, maybe 2022 will compete for the playoffs. They're not a playoff team. And then they, they got in the bubble. They actually were one of the teams that was the most reluctant to go in the bubble. And then they had success. And so he kind of built on and built a lot of things around it. So I think that's part and parcel about it. Like, leave no stone unturned. That, uh, you know, this is a guy who's a veteran. It's a long time ago that he won a Stanley Cup. But he's had extensive playoff experience since then. And, you know, you, you, look, at, uh, you look at our division. The Ottawa Senators, okay, it's understood they were not expecting to make the playoffs. But six other Canadian-based teams, Reed, there's going to be two that are extremely pissed they don't make it. Not just the fan base, but the organizations. That's why there's already been two coaching changes that way. I think Edmonton's pretty stable, you know, about you know Ken Holland that way. I don't think Toronto will fall out of it, but certainly if they did, there'd be questions about Kyle Dubas. Certainly look in Vancouver, what's going on. Calgary already made a decision. Brad Treliving, I think, would also have to be worried if they don't make it. So I think in Mark Bergevin's case, he's covering all the bases. For, from a Leafs perspective, uh, when was it? I, I've I got to tell you, uh, Gord, I've already lost track of time. I think a week without games just threw me into disarray. But I think it was about a week and a half ago, Dubas had his news conference, and I thought he really pushed all his chips into the middle of the table. And look, we know the Leafs have a good team, and this might be a year for, for them to go after it. Were you surprised he came out uh, that strong, or what did you make of his comments? Well, you know, Reed, looking at it later, now I'm trying to interpret it. I wasn't surprised because I thought it's great he came out that way. Now, can you follow through? Because, I mean, the question was asked, is this the year you would trade a top prospect or give up your first-round pick? And, you know, he answered it that way. Now, did it mean that, because let's face it, restricted free agents don't get what they used to, to do. And a big part of it is the salary cap era. Because if you give up prospects or a draft pick, it's not just the future, it's also you have cost certainty the first three years, and that's so important with the you know, entry-level salary cap. Cost certainty is so important that way. So I'm, th- I'm thinking, like, is he saying that all of a sudden the currency for, say, Taylor Hall on an expiring contract is huge, is bigger than normal, he's willing to pay it? Uh, I, 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 I'd, be, I, I'd be surprised if that was the case. I still think you know, the best ones are kind of like the Jake Muzzin trade that was made, or you know, we're looking at Matias Ekholm or Ricard Raquel that – you want to get somebody with another year. So you basically get two playoff runs at it, and you also get the cost certainty about someone on an expiring contract next year that isn't a big hit against your salary cap structure. So that's more what I'm thinking about if he's talking about going big. So I'm not surprised about going big. Let's face it, particularly for teams that are in the Atlantic division, you woke up when they rejigged everything, and you don't have Tampa Bay or Boston in your division, and you're going to get them back next year, okay? So... Some Canadian-based team uh, has a pretty good path to being one of the final four that won't be there to the same extent next season.
Yeah, good point. Gord Stelic joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Sportsnet 590, the fan, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. So here's here are the interesting numbers. After Toronto rolled through Rogers' place and whipped the Oilers 13-1 over three games, and, and it was a crushing, there's no doubt about that. Since then, the Oilers have gone 7-2, and two, and the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone 3-6, and six, and a 10-point gap in the standings for Toronto is, is currently a two-point gap, and they were actually tied until Toronto won last night. So what, what has changed for the Leafs since they were so impressive here in Edmonton? Well, and, you know, Reed, yeah, that's what even made it more impressive was Edmonton was 11-2-0 before that and then have carried on, you know, where they left off after those three, after that kind of whitewashing coming to town and basically a scorched earth, a scorched earth you know, performance by the Maple Leafs. Um, early on when they came back, and certainly you've known this in Edmonton over the years about how key goalting, goaltending is. So, so Thatcher Demko had two huge games for Vancouver. Uh, Connor Hellebuck had two huge games for Winnipeg. Hot goaltending is a tough thing. If you're a great team, you got to beat hot goaltending, but that was part of it. And then, you know, just other things. And in, in Toronto, Reed, uh, fans get worried about what they call the Columbus malaise. You know, it was one thing to be in the playoffs and have your hearts broken by a Boston Bruins Game 7 win. The fans are really aggravated about uh, a Leafs team that really didn't, that appeared indifferent playing Columbus. Like, it went five games, but, you know, they got out goaltended. They got outplayed. They appeared disinterested. And it was a team that we all think they should have beat. So some of that perceptually has kind of crept back into it. Big thing, you look at it, their penalty killing was killing them a while ago. It's been better the last two games, and you kind of forgot the power play. There's no power. There's all kinds of oomph. There's all kinds of scoring. You saw it those three games at Edmonton. And, and that's the thing that's really gone on the back burner. So, you know, Reed, I think a good part is they've got two wins now over Calgary and Ottawa winning differently, not, not winning, you know, 6-1 or 5-2 or whatever it may be. But that's the part that's evaporated right now, and it's, it's the offense from the big guns. Yeah. So I, I want to ask your perspective on, on what worries uh, you and perhaps Leafs, Leafs Nation most about the Oilers. And, and I think from an Edmonton perspective, what's most worrisome about the Leafs is – uh, you know, the third line and, you know, players like Zach Hyman, who were really good during that three game set here uh, in Edmonton. And I think just how well the Leafs were able to take away McDavid through the neutral zone, just a real dedication by everybody to prevent him from getting the puck in stride and players like Hall and Muzzin uh, playing really well. I, I would think if I did an informal poll of Oilers fans, that would probably be their biggest concerns for these next two games from the other side of the fence. Uh, what are the biggest concerns? Well, you know, it's funny, though, like like those three games. So we'll say if the Leafs are playing Edmonton in a playoff series, you go, wow, if you can play that way and have a team-oriented defense that, you know, eliminates Connor McDavid versus having to watch him go around Morgan Riley like in another year in a highlight, really real goal for the ages, uh, you're in good. So the, the point being is uh, there's major studs on both sides as far as star players go. So if you're going to play them, your, your depth of your third and fourth line, I think work in favor for the Maple Leafs. Uh, I still think they got a bit of an edge on D, but that's, you know, Edmonton, there's been some positive signs there. Really happy for Tyson Berry. Really happy for him. And then, of course, goaltending is the next thing. So the big thing to answer your question, who has a one-two punch like that? Like, those guys can you know, those guys can beat you single-handedly, even though the Leafs, you know, beat them three straight. But those two guys, you think, you know, you think you're fine. They're, then they're lying in the weeds. And all of a sudden, you're done. And that's why I think those three games are really important to show the Toronto Maple Leafs, if it is the Edmonton Oilers you're playing against, particularly in the playoffs, there, there's a structure and way that you got to go about it and can be successful. 
All right, Gord, I always love having you on the show, and I always try to come up with a, a, a well, a, sort of an off-the-wall question or maybe a bit of a thinker. Uh, and I always like, I don't like to warn guests because I want their, uh, their impromptu reaction. So you were a GM in the NHL in the uh, late 80s and then an assistant GM in the late 80s into the early 90s. What is something that managers believed or strived to do in that era that nowadays would get them laughed out of a job interview to be a GM? Boy, that's, you know, um, back then, okay, there, there, there's, there's a couple of, there's two parts to it. I'll answer it. One is the almighty dollar, right? The almighty dollar. And it came ahead of success in many ways. And I work for an owner, and I know a lot of people, it's dated history now, in Harold Ballard. And yeah, I, don't, I don't knock him. He gave me a fabulous opportunity, but... The almighty dollar was huge. And there still are some organizations like, like that. But you look at the Buffalo Sabres, they've, they've paid the almighty dollars and, and, and they've struggled. So, you know, so, so that, that was one that way. And then, uh, then the, the other part is that I, I, I think, you know what happened back then, Reed? And this is something the Oilers were of the four new teams from the WHA. They put together a real front office structure, you know, a real good one. And there were, like, I think in Montreal was like that and Philadelphia was like that that there were, in my opinion, six or seven organizations that started with a decided advantage because of the way they were set up, right? And the other 13, 14, um, you know, you'd have uh, a setup and it'd be a lot of, you know, you know, buddies about things, not very thorough scouting, you know, not a lot of things, not even watching games on a dish, not knowing who's what, scouts showing up for the wrong time when they're pro scouting somewhere else and missing the game. I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, no cell phones, no computers, no all that kind of stuff. And I think you know, it's it's not like nowadays it would like, and the Buffalo Sabers were questioning them right now because Kevin Adams appears to have no structure around him. And back then, it's not so much it would get you laughed out. Nowadays, it would, but back then, a lot of owners, because they were lean and mean, wouldn't say, "Oh, I don't want money in scouts." What do scouts do? You know, and on and on like that. So it was it was very different, and you'd be surprised. And I and I like a lot of people that I'm talking about, but you see, you'd be surprised about the very basicness of some of the front offices. Wow. Okay. Well, there's some stories for when we have you on on uh, August eighth, some summer when uh, there's nothing going on. We'll, we'll maybe dive into that a little deeper, but plenty to talk about for these games coming up between the Oilers and the Leafs. Gord, I always appreciate you coming on because I know you got your own on-air stuff to do and you're a busy guy. So we really appreciate it and enjoy the game tomorrow. Hope it's a good one, Reed. Thanks very much. That is Gord Stelic checking in Leafs lunch, Toronto Maple Leafs hockey on Sportsnet 590. The fan, interesting insight there uh, about the lack of organization within some NHL organizations uh, about uh, 30, 35 years ago. Pretty good stuff from Gord. It's 20 after 7. Certainteed hotline is 780-496-0063. Certainteed professional grade building materials. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. And running at the downtown community arena five minutes left in the first period oil kings who are seven and oh on the season already up two nothing 
on the Calgary Hitman. We'll keep you updated on that one, uh, at least until we uh, are with you until 8 o'clock tonight on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for checking out the show. Uh, we had Bill Daly on the show, Deputy Commissioner of the NHL. We had Josh Archibald on the show from your Edmonton Oilers. And we just wrapped up uh, a good segment with Gord Stellick, who covers the Toronto Maple Leafs and talked a little bit about uh, their season and how they are looking as the playoffs approach. So speaking of Bill Daly, uh, he uh, talked about a bunch of stuff and, and something of note, and we'll get to the to the clip here. I asked him, all right, tell me a little bit about uh, the Oilers' schedule changes. We know that they have to reschedule the postponed games against Montreal, but are other things going to be moved around too? Yeah, we've uh, we've already worked out uh, the schedule adjustments, and and they, uh, to your second point, are, are multiple. Um, we are waiting to announce those adjustments to see uh, to ensure the the health situation in Montreal, and and um, you know the the hope that they can resume their games early next week, uh, as opposed to more time uh, in quarantine. So uh, we've got a couple more days of testing. Um, I would suspect uh, potentially over the weekend um, announcing uh, schedule adjustments. Okay, so, well, that means tomorrow or Sunday that we find out the schedule adjustments. As he pointed out, they want to make sure that everything's okay with the Canadians. Those two players do remain on the COVID protocol list, but I, I think they're just being sure that uh, no other uh, players testing positive and they can get back to practicing on Monday. And again, as we've speculated, Oilers play tomorrow, play Monday, both in Toronto. No games scheduled next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So maybe they, they stay out east and they they uh, they move things around so they can play a road game either on Tuesday or Wednesday. Josh Archibald was uh, was on the show, and Leon Dreisaitl uh, paid a compliment to him and to Kyler Yamamoto, but a couple of smaller guys who can play big. Yeah, I mean, I think they're... they're prime example for that um two smaller guys fast but they play uh they play right in your face they play up against you they play almost inside you so um those are never fun fun players to play against um you know speaking from my own uh um uh yeah from my own experience and um you know it's great to have these two guys uh, and and the other guys on our team uh they've they've played great all year and they they really help us um you know be be a tougher team to play against a little bit there from Leon Dreisaitl. You can get more on tomorrow's showdown with the Maple Leafs by going to the story on 630chad.com globalnews.ca. All right. 7:30 news and weather coming up. You'll meet a football player from rural Alberta now going to the big smoke. Darren Churchill, recently signed by the Toronto Argos, grew up in Stettler. Great story. He's next on the show. tonight jets and flames coming up in half an hour sharks and coyotes coming up in half an hour anaheim has gone ahead of st louis one nothing it's late in the second period sam Steele, local boy with his fourth of the season for the ducks almost finished in washington oh it just ended capitals shut out the devils for nothing ovechkin with two he now has 17 on the season backstrom and sheary also scored 
Oil Kings up 3-1 on the Calgary Hitmen. That is now through the first period at the downtown community arena. Actually, the shots in favor of the Hitmen, 12-9, but the Oil Kings get three. Bakersfield Condors on the ice for the warm-up as they're taking on the San Diego Gulls. Bakersfield at 11-6-1 on the season. About two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter in the NBA. Phoenix Suns, 100. Toronto Raptors, 96. So the Raptors are going to have to uh, push in the final few minutes to get the victory there. Trade in the NHL today. Eric Stahl goes to the Montreal Canadiens. Buffalo gets a third and a fifth round pick in the 2021 draft. All right. You heard that story about the boats stuck in the Suez Canal. Well, our next guest might have the size and the strength to get it out of the way. Now a member of the Toronto Argos, a former Edmonton Husky, it is Theron Churchill on the line. Theron, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm half joking that you could you, you could push the uh, boat out of the way. You'd probably need at least five O-linemen. A regular O-line could do it. But how, what, what, uh, what, what is your size and weight these days? What are you up to? I'm uh, weighing at uh, about 310 pounds and 6'6 height. Okay, so uh, good offensive lineman numbers uh, for sure. Were you always a big kid, or when did you get your growth spurt? Um, definitely got my growth spurt uh, probably around middle of high school at, at some point, but uh, really uh, grew a couple inches after high school and, and, and gained a lot of weight uh, for football after high school. All right. Well, you're a first-round pick in the CFL. You recently signed with the Toronto Argos, and your journey started in Stetler, Alberta. So I want to take people back there because uh, this is this is a really cool story. Uh, first of all, athletically growing up in, in Stetler, what were the, the first sports that you played and had a passion for? Uh, well, obviously, I started playing football in grade four. Um, we had uh, basketball, hockey was really popular around here. So uh, I played a lot of sports growing up. Okay, so you started football in grade four, and, and I mean Stetler's a, a decent sized place, but it but it's you know certainly not huge. And I know sometimes with smaller communities, they might not have football opportunities. What were you able to play right in Stetler, or where did you get involved? No, it was right in uh, Stetler here. Uh, they had started a peewee program, I think, just a couple years prior to me starting. And then uh, high school goes way, way, way back into like the 80s and 70s. So um, I was always able to play for, for directly in my hometown. Okay. And what position were you when you started out? Um, I always played um, offensive line and defensive line. So I was, uh, was on both sides of the ball. Always a lot. You know, I, I always ask that, Theron, because the one thing I've been surprised talking to football players, I, I have been surprised how many players who went pro at a certain position didn't play that position when they were younger. But you you are always one of the guys uh, on the line. And what led to you ultimately specializing in offense? Um, that actually didn't come until um, my first junior workout with the Edmonton Huskies. Uh, went out there and talked to the coaches and uh, really just listened to them and uh, got their recommendation on, on what side of the ball to play and then uh, stuck to the offensive line uh, from that day forward. All right. Well, some players tell me, uh, Theron, that they they chose uh, they cho- they will, they'll choose defense over offense because they'd sooner hit than be hit. But if you're a lineman, it doesn't matter. You're getting hit either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're always in the trenches. 
Uh, to, to, and, uh, that's yeah, yeah. I think you have to have a unique mentality to be an offensive lineman because you have to be willing to be incredibly physical. I, I don't know if if mean streak maybe is putting it a little too harshly, but you have to certainly have an aggressive streak in you. Yeah, you, you got to pick your moments, of course, like when you're on the field. Be you're going to be aggressive, and, and you got to be willing to to play there. Um, as we all know, as football fans, uh, playing in the trenches isn't the most glorious position or and don't get a, enough credit but uh it's always fun to play there yeah okay so so how did you get noticed or recruited or wind up joining the edmonton huskies uh really good that goes back to um some midget football that i uh played during my high school years in the spring and uh i just really had the right connections with uh some of those coaches that knew uh, past players that played on the Empton Huskies. So uh, I was able to get into contact with them uh, during the winter of my grade 12 year and uh, went out and tried out with their uh, winter practices and, and played for them. Yeah. Was it, uh, what, what was it like uh, trying out? I mean, I know obviously you were an experienced player, but hey, that's, that's, uh, that's another notch. You got to go up on the level chart, right? So how, what was it like jumping into that? Oh, uh, yeah, completely different. Uh, different um level right it's not high school you're going up to junior football especially a, a kid from small town uh going up to the big city and um you don't know anybody uh and you're just going to going to play ball and do the best you can yeah so how many years were you with the huskies i was uh with the huskies for four four seasons and then where did you go i went to, to the university of regina for three okay and uh what did you study I, I'm currently studying uh, business. Okay, uh, f- playing football in Saskatchewan. So I guess a few people paid attention to your career and team then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, football, uh, it, it was awesome uh, being out there and, and with that football community in Regina. Yeah. Uh, what uh, Any uh, CFL team or players that you grew up supporting or kind of idolizing? Um. I mean, I grew up uh, as an Edmonton fan, and I always uh, kept an eye kept an eye on um, Ricky Ray for sure. And uh, uh, luckily, he's uh, he he ended up being going to Toronto as well. So uh, he's a he's a guy I always uh, watched growing up. Yeah. All right. So so your draft experience and look there, and I you know I I don't follow the draft as closely as my colleagues Dave and Morley do, but you know I always try to know the names or the local connections, and I also know a CFL mock draft might be the most unpredictable uh, of anything. Cause I'll see somebody will say, well, this guy's going to go second and somebody will say, no, he's going to go like 21st. So where, where were you kind of ranked going into the draft and what did you kind of have an expectation of the approximate spot you might get picked? Yeah, that that week uh, leading up to the draft, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, it's so unpredictable. I think in the CFL, um, the mock drafts definitely had me uh, a lot lower, like in uh, round three or four. Uh, and then, uh, as you know, uh, ended up going uh, ninth overall in the first round. Yeah. And so what was your reaction? Tell me about the phone call. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the conversation that was being made on draft night. Uh, my emotions were, were, were really high and uh, I, I didn't, I enjoyed the call. Um, being able to get a call early on and and just uh, finally able to uh, be a part of the league and uh, enjoy the rest of the night with my family. So you 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 hung out uh, at home then with your loved ones? Yeah, yes, I did. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, and then, you know, unfortunately we, uh, we went through a lot of uncertainty over the last year and there wasn't a lot of football played. So what have you done to stay sharp and stay busy over the last year? Well, um, yeah, just been in the gym uh, when I can, as you know, in Alberta, we've been through two lockdowns now. So um, once the gyms are open uh, as they are right now, um, been in, in the gym there, but when they were locked down, I was doing uh, some uh, home workouts uh, through my trainer um, at the University of Regina. We've always kept in touch to to get the proper program for me. Okay, and you recently actually, you know, made it formal signing with the Argos. Tell me about that moment and and looking ahead to because it looks like there will be a season this year. I think everybody's pretty optimistic. There are details to look out, but tell me about actually putting that uh, signature on a piece of paper with the Argos. Well, that was definitely nice when I uh, finally signed. Um, once I got that text from my agent a couple days before that over the weekend, um, really brought some clarity and, and some security to uh, what I'm going to do with the, with the Argos and, and finally be a part of the league and, and the team. Yeah. Any, any coaches you've had throughout your career that you want to give a shout-out to tonight that really you know, helped you either skill-wise or maturity-wise along the way? Uh, one guy I definitely uh, shout out is Ian McLean with the Edmonton Huskies. He's a he was the head coach when I was there. Uh, recently uh, stepped down, I believe, and uh, he really he really helped me out uh, along with the whole Huskies organization, giving it giving a chance to a, a kid from Stellar, Alberta, and 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 play football and really matured as, as an adult during my time there. Yeah, and what about, uh, I, I assume, you know, parents, I don't know if you have siblings or not, but what about, uh, you know, nobody gets there alone and uh, families sometimes have to make sacrifices and, and be dedicated to uh, the youngsters' careers as well. Uh, what can you say about your family along the way here? Yeah, my parents and, and along with my sisters, uh, they've been the best supporters that I could ask for, um, as well as the community that I have here back home. Uh, they, they've always supported me uh throughout the past eight years playing junior football in university but ever since i was uh nine ten years old playing uh peewee football how old are your sisters uh they're a couple uh mid-30s younger 30s yeah okay and are they tougher than you (laughs) they would say so yeah (laughs) sorry i had to throw you a no-win question along the way somewhere right (laughs) yeah Well, that, that's great there. And thanks for uh, sharing your story. Uh, you know, I, 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 lo- I love uh, I love your journey going from Stettler to the Canadian Football League. And I guess now you just sort of wait for that call where you can go out and maybe start camp. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just going to wait for that. Uh, hopefully it's sooner than later, of course. But uh, just being optimistic on uh, when that's going to be. Okay, good stuff. Theron, thanks for uh, introducing yourself on Inside Sports Night. We wish you all the best. Of course, we'll be following your career very closely. Congratulations on the contract, and keep in touch. All the best to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That is Theron Churchill on the line. Yeah, from Stetler, started playing when he was in grade four, went to the Edmonton Huskies, went to the Regina Rams. Last, uh, when was it? Last April 30th, I want to say. I'm just double-checking the date. Yeah, last April 30th, he gets drafted ninth overall by the Argos, recently got the contract, and he, of course, is uh, raring to go. Really good story. Wish him all the best. Okay, it is 7.45. We had to call a quick timeout inside sports on 6.30 Chet.
and at the end, um, you know, we might be playing them in, in seven more games. So you obviously want to send a message. Um, we want to we want to beat them and show them that that we're a good team too. So um, those next two games are going to be fun. They're going to be exciting. Uh, I think fans will love it. And obviously, uh, we don't have to talk about the, about the uh, importance. Leon Dreisaitl looking ahead to the showdown with the Maple Leafs tomorrow and then again on Monday, two of the top three teams in the North Division. I mean, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Edmonton have kind of separated here. Montreal is still uh, hanging around, uh, but they're pretty solidly in fourth at the moment. I know Vancouver, when you look at the points, only two back of the Canadians, but here's the thing. Montreal has six games in hand on the Canucks, and when you look at the points percentage, it's not close. 597 for the Habs, 473 for Vancouver, and 485 for Calgary. So Vancouver and Calgary both uh, already pretty hard-pressed to uh, to make a playoff run. Ottawa in uh, last place. But, you know, Ottawa, not too bad since that, that uh, horrible start, just below 500 since they only won one of their first nine games. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on Oilers and E radio 630 Chet. We appreciate you tuning in tonight. The, the North division set up this year because of the pandemic and because of the border restrictions. And I think we know that, I mean, the Oilers are playing everybody nine times each and then 10 times each against Vancouver and Calgary. It's excessive. We've seen some three game series where it's like, okay, these guys again, but I do think the all Canadian matchups are uh, interesting i think they're appealing when we can have fans in rogers place and the other canadian buildings there is a different vibe when it's an all canadian matchup uh you know you got montreal and toronto who are in the original six they have fans all over the country it's always special when they come to town and i think that the the fans in those cities like seeing the other all canadian teams too so uh earlier on the show i was talking to bill daly the deputy commissioner of the nhl and i said is the nhl open to even when things are back to quote-unquote normal next season, is the NHL open to finding some more all-Canadian games? I, I would be foolish to say there's not an openness because we obviously evaluate those things, you know, every year um, uh, and, and what is kind of the best formula uh, for a schedule matrix. What you have to what you have to know to make those changes is where you're getting the games from. Uh, you know, if you're not increasing uh, the length of the regular season schedule, um, you know, which games are you reducing to uh, to accommodate an increase in the number of East-West uh, matchups? And, and uh, you know, there, there are certainly ways to do it, and it is something uh, I think the commissioner has been very public on. We're, we're, we're willing to consider and open to considering. So, um, you know, let, let's get to the end of the season, see, see where we are, and, and uh, you know, we'll be in a position, a better position to evaluate that question and make those decisions. I've talked about this with Rob Brown, a couple other people too, and next season there are going to be 32 teams in the NHL. And Rob believes that every team should play every other team home and away. Well, right there, that's 62 games. So that only leaves 20 games to play against the teams in your division or in your conference. You know, I I personally, I'm at the point where well, I think I've been at this point for a while, but I think maybe I, I move further and f- further and further this way. Look, sports is entertainment. Mm. Uh, you need people to watch on TV. You need to have people interested in buying tickets and in a lot of cases spending a lot of money on tickets and, and going to the for the whole in-the-rink experience. Give the people what they want. Do I want to see the Oilers and Maple Leafs play each other eight times next season? No. 
would I want to see them play three or four times? Why not? Why not have the Leafs and Canadians come here twice each instead of once each or twice each every second year? Um, and if it to me, if it means you don't see the Florida Panthers or the Dallas Stars or, or even the Pittsburgh Penguins, for, for that matter, uh, if you had to sacrifice that maybe every three or four years in the rotation, and I know right now they have some star players, well, someday they won't. But I, I think that the NHL should should give people what they want. And it's it's two points out of 164 points that are available. You can talk about, well, what if, you know, one year this team is really good and you got to play them an extra time and you don't play a weaker team. To me, I'm just I just think so what? If you're if you're a good team, you're going to find a way to get the points against the other good teams anyway. G- give people what they want. I would think most fans in Edmonton, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'll just speak for myself. But you know, I, I think, okay, go back to the five games a season against Vancouver and Calgary. Th- that's fine. So one team gets three home games, the other team gets two. Have an extra game against Montreal. Have an extra game against uh, Toronto. Even have an extra game against Ottawa. Play them three times each. If you got to lose a game in the conference, like, so what if you play, uh, you know, Dallas twice instead of three times, St. Louis twice instead of three times? You could actually still preserve the home and home for every team. And maybe you sacrifice some of the games against the uh, the other division within your conference to get another game against some sort of a rival. And in Canada, that would be the other all-Canadian teams. For me, that would work because I, I think those games have uh, have an extra vibe to them. Look, I can't see that uh, the, the, the TV stations, that Rogers would argue with this, that, okay, we find a few extra all-Canadian games now maybe on hockey night in Canada, it's uh, you know it's not going to be Colorado at Toronto and then Anaheim at Calgary for the doubleheader. It's going to be Edmonton Toronto in the first doubleheader three times a year instead of two. If they're always on a Saturday and the late game is uh, you know Calgary Winnipeg or, or Montreal at Calgary, I I I would personally go that way. I, I I don't think it's sacred that I mean then they change it all the time anyway. It's like when I I asked daily about the draft lottery too, and I mean I mean that keeps changing. So I think that. We've learned this year that, okay, you know, maybe a triple header against a team is too much, but I also think that seeing these uh, Canadian teams play each other where you know you have the rabid fan bases and there's bragging rights and storylines and all that going on, I think there's value to that. Even though, I mean, the fans of the Canadian teams are generally all in anyway. Again, but why not give us what we want? You you already love hockey. Well, can can you amp it up? even a little more by adding three to six extra games against Canadian teams for the Oilers per year. That's the way I would go. Anyway, we know we're going to see one tomorrow. 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 5. The Oilers are finally back at it against Toronto. Kyler Yamamoto likely to return after missing the last couple of games uh, before the Oilers had this unexpected bye week. You heard from Theron Churchill, Gort Stellick, Josh Archibald, and Bill Daly tonight. Get more on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.